everybody, welcome to Player 456, a Squid Game podcast. It is me, Jack, and joining me, I was going to say as always, but it has been a while since we've spoke to you, but Colin is joining me to discuss, finally, episode number nine of Squid Game, mate, one lucky day. How are you? Hello, mate. I'm good. Uh, well done for remembering the name of the podcast there. It, it yeah. has been a while. Um, I, I mean, we were talking just off air there. We aren't professional podcasters. We've both got nine to five jobs that we try and do. We've got other sort of podcast commitments that some of you'll know about, some of you don't. And life has just got in the way a little bit. Um, I, I don't know how many times we, we've organised to sit down and do this recording and I've pulled out of it and then you've pulled out of it. Probably more, more me than you. But finally, we're here. We're getting this episode done and they were glad to be doing it, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, it's probably been four or five times we've arranged to sit down over the past couple of months and get it sorted. And what kind of kicked us on was the official Netflix announcement the other day that season two is coming soon, in inverted commas. We don't know when that is. At first, it was 2024 was the sort of chat that we were hearing, but they've maybe rushed that along a little bit and it'll maybe be with us in 2023 at some point but that official announcement we thought right one more episode mate uh, and we'll maybe do an episode in a, a couple of weeks or a month or something discussing um, any sort of breaking news about season two and what we think we want to see and what we don't want to see in season two so we'll do that but today Colin we're going to um, just cover the last episode before we jump in what were your initial thoughts about one lucky day. I was I was surprised by the structure of the episode. Um, that was my overwhelming thoughts while I was watching it because the the final game, so to speak, the final Squid Game task, the the actual game of Squid, um, was over and done with pretty early on in the episode, and I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of expecting some big dramatic finish, which we did get in the actual Squid Game. But I thought that would be your end of season. I wasn't expecting to then go on this other journey that the episode took you on. So that was probably my that's probably my biggest take while I was watching it. And my biggest take kind of in reflection of it now is that what happened after the actual Squid Game is probably far bigger and that's what's opened the door for a season two and this reality show that's starting and everything else. So very well done. A very good finale, which I think could have worked as a one and done. It would have worked for me. I'd have been quite happy with it as a, this is the end of Squid Game, there's not going to be any more. But when a show does as well as this one does, there has to be a season two. The, the executives, the money people demand it. And uh, I think they've set it up quite well. Yeah, I think you're right. And Squid Game it's not been shy at doing things a little bit differently. You know, like I remember at the end of episode one or two, you, you were kind of thinking, where does it go from here? When they get dumped out of the Squid Game, it goes back to their normal life. So they're not shy about doing things differently. I, well, I, mean, I did feel that, that the last battle was a little bit forced uh, in the sense that it seemed to really hit the, the Hollywood tropes that you would imagine from films and TV. It's, it's raining heavily, there's screams, there's, there's forgiveness, there's... It just seemed to hit a lot of tropes that you see in sort of lots and lots of different films. So that that would be my only complaint. I think about the whole episode would be that final fight scene just seemed a little bit forced, as if they had to squeeze the the forgiveness in the 
the the twist the, where he doesn't want to take the money, they can both go back to their lives and they'll be alive, but they'll be in debt still. So I did find that a little bit jarring, but yeah, I agree with you that the sort of second part, once he's got out of the limo with the front man and things like that, it does get, I wouldn't say brilliant, it's not one of my favourite episodes, um, but it's not my least favourite either. It's not, I think it's, I think it's quite a difficult show to break down into episodes because you, you talk about how TV nowadays has got such high budget and it's so all-encompassing that you basically you're making nine movies say, for TV. I think Squid Game more than most is one big piece that's just split into different sections for Netflix. Um, I don't think it is all that episodic. I don't think it's easy to think of, right, that was episode three, that was episode six. I do think more than most shows, it is just one big show um, that was split into nine different episodes of various lengths. This one, one of the longer ones. Um, but yeah, I, I, in terms of, I don't think of it as a good episode or a bad episode. I just, I do think of it as a decent ending. I enjoyed it and I didn't come out of it disappointed, Jack. And me and you know from experience, sadly, how many shows we've watched, committed to, invested time in, and the ending of a season or a show in overall disappoints you, lets you down, makes you feel like you wasted your time. This didn't do that for me. Uh, like I said, I'd be happy with this as an infinite ending or this is the start of season two coming up soon sort of thing. So I was, I was I was happy with it. Yeah, I think that's quite a common thing when people invest so much time in a show. How many shows have nailed an ending? You know, like an actual, like a, I mean, a, a full series ending, you know, like everybody just always going to be disappointed because it doesn't quite end the way that they have it in their head, very rarely anyway. So I agree with you. I, I was, when he turned back at the end, we'll get there, maybe with his red hair and things like that. We'll, we'll get, I think we'll just go through the episode that we've done done before. A quote to start with, but and that was when we were kids, we would play just like this and our mums would call us in for dinner, but no one calls us any more. So that's the last words, basically, spoken by Sang Wu before his suicide. We'll get to that. Um, I think we'll look at that quote in a little bit more detail. But we'll just sort of, I suppose, recap the episode and throw our thoughts in as we go, Colin. So do you want to take that away? Sure. So the the final round takes place on the, the same playground as the first um, but this time, Jihan takes the offence. He knows he, he has to win. He's got to make it into the squid's eye, so to speak. Song Wu is acting as the defender who needs to push him out of the grid. Um, of course, you've got the jeopardy in it there. If, if, if either of them, should should either of them die, the winner would be the last man standing. Um, you've got the the old, this, this is probably trope number one if we're going to keep counts of them. The dirty dealing with a fistful of sand, Jack, getting thrown in the face. Yeah, but, um, but from the good guy... Yes. It's from Ji-Hoon and he throws the sand again, just a slight twist on the trope, I suppose, because that's a real bad guy move is the, the dirt in the eyes. So I think Ji-Hoon has been worn down by these squid games over the past six days, we think, a day per game, perhaps. This is round six. So at the end of a week, he has been twisted and he knows it's life or death and thrown a little bit of sand in his enemy's face because let's face it now he is the mortal enemy well that's it yeah I was going to say that if he's not been worn down by the games Jack he's certainly been worn down by Sang Wu um, the, real, the real villain of this piece up to now 
Um, and he he becomes even more villainous uh, in the eyes of Jihan because he admits here that he killed Sabriok to avoid her and Jihan teaming up against him. Um, Jihan tells him that he won't leave with the money. And you see this new side to Jihan, Jack, where he's proper, if I want to have a better expression, I probably say quite a Scottish expression, he's raging. And um, he he's so determined that he takes some, he takes some beating here. He gets he's injured. He gets a stabbed in the thigh. He's got a, he gets stabbed in the hand. He's struggling. He's injured, but he keeps going and keeps fighting. And I think that's because of the rage and the anger he has for not just for these games, but for Song Wu and what Song Wu's done to get himself in this position. Yeah, I think so. And again, trope number two. This is when the rain starts because I don't think the rain was <laughs> was raining at the beginning. You know, um, so again, I'm gonna be trope there. But they have this sort of fight, and eventually Jihoon sort of pins Sangwoo down, holds a knife to um, his enemy's face, basically. But when it comes to killing him, he can't do it, basically. So, top number three. Top number three, cannot kill my old friend because I am a good guy, and that is morally wrong, even though it's a fight to the death. But Sangwoo isn't... He doesn't want to... Uh, not die basically because I think if you remember the rules that if more than 50% of the players decide that they don't want to play the game's over so I think this is suggested but Sangwoo's not really interested Um, I think he's again I think it points to him really wanting and needing the money to be safe on the outside that's his driving force the the, the capitalist of the programme the sort of major theme through it is him and I think without the money, he doesn't want to be alive. So that's why he talks himself. Basically, he's he's considered it before lying in the bath, thinking about drowning himself or um, committing suicide before that. But decides to do it here uh, quite violently by slitting his own throat. It's been a few weeks since I watched it. Yeah, he, he stabs himself in the throat. Um, and you're you're right. This is a guy who before Squid Game in the Outside World, Jack had nothing and was ready to kill himself because of that. So the idea of going back to that world with nothing, death is probably the, the, the better option for him here in his head. And there's also the point as well that when Jihan starts walking over to the squid head to win, um, you've got the guard aiming his rifle um, at Sangwoo. And we've seen before that these rifle shots don't always kill you. They put you down and then you end up burning to death. So maybe that's in his head as well. I'm going out my own terms here. I'm not getting... Throwing a cough and I'm not burning. I'm taking. I'm, I'm taking control of this. I'm taking ownership of this. And he stabs himself in the neck. Yeah, but there's a little bit of reminiscing here about them playing as children and again their mothers calling them home. What are your thoughts on those last words? Uh, like, is it just uh, the link to the childhood, the childhood games again, just reminiscing about? easier times before capitalism takes over the world and takes you over personally. What do you think the meaning is here? I think it's it's, it's almost trifold, Jack. So it is, a, it is like a, a callback to their childhood playing this game as children, this exact same game, uh, playing it as children and their mothers just quite literally calling them home and telling them to come in. Um, it's the fact that the mothers aren't calling them in just now because they're adults, because the relationships with their mothers are not great. One of their mothers has been completely lied to and has got no idea who her son is and she's about to find out. The other one is just completely disappointed by her son and his actions previous to Grin because Jihan was a complete degenerate. And then you've got the other ultimate probably sympathy here is that 
their mothers aren't going to be that disappointed in them because one of them's going home to a mother that's dead on the floor and the other one's going home to find out that her son's dead. So there is certainly absolutely neither. Neither mother is going to be calling for either son um, for a bunch of reasons. Um, so you can kind of look at it as quite quite symbolic in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, it's really symbolic. And again, like speaking about being a child, there are no ties to the capitalist world as a child. You know, you play with your toys, you go outside, you use your imagination. Everything's great as a child, you know. But you become an adult under capitalism. Again, this sort of runs through the whole show. We know this. Um, you've done it, I've done it. The, all the characters in this show grew up in capitalist countries and how bad it is and how these mighty forces like rule the world and kind of strip you of you basically over time you know you, you become a monster to the the capitalist machine basically and you know like sometimes we both like a little gamble you know like just maybe on the football and it's nice you, you maybe get lucky and win every now and again like Jihun wins this game but kind of like the, the bottom line is you're an adult you're by yourself and yeah your mum doesn't call you anymore <laughs> she doesn't want you to come in for dinner because you stay with your no one calls actually you know like, nobody really calls you to go, are you okay? Are you safe? <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen anymore. But, but you do know that you're loved, you know, but in a different way. And, yeah, that capitalist nature of it is, is probably does have a big part to play with it. So I think the guys hit that theme throughout pretty much on the head, although it's obviously a, a very cartoonised, violent way of doing it. I think he's um, he's done brilliantly, the writer. It did take him 10 years to write the script, like you said, yeah. Yeah, it did. Well, ten years to write it, and get something to invest in it, and buy it. But yeah, um, he had plenty of time to find tune it and get it right. Um, not to go off on a tangent, it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs under pressure, Jack, to write something quickly, um, which is what he's going to have to do now. Well, um, I actually wrote the script in a year. Um, started writing in two thousand eight, was finished it by two thousand nine, and then obviously there was multiple redrafts to get. He must have. I don't know how many people he pitched it to. But he pitched it for a long time before it got picked up. So I I think the the ideas would have been there right from the start. But it's just making sure all the foreshadowings right, all the details were right. The dialogue meant every bit of dialogue meant something if you were listening carefully enough. That takes a lot of time, and that's one thing maybe a little bit worried about season two is that we'll speak about that soon but that, that is the one worry that you brought up there can he perform under pressure and can he get it as good as season one which is going to be very very difficult but we'll see yeah it totally is yeah um, back to the story um, Jihun then is your sole survivor and winner um, he's carted off in a limousine by the front man uh, blindfolded so he can't see anything and there's some awful chat here from the front man Jackie awful in that it's just wicked and nasty he refers to him and other players as horses at a racetrack and then giving Jihun the kind of last kick in the balls, even though he's won, tells him he didn't expect him to run this far. Um, well, that always goes back to the horses at the beginning and him winning his 4.56 million billion won, or whatever it was he won, million at the, <laughs> the start, yeah. Yeah, so it's just come back to the horses and the joy that horses bring when you win. So again, it's yeah, like back to the... To the, the, the the bad Americans, the bad guys, you know, um, the owls, the deers, all that sort of stuff that we spoke about before, taking joy in a horse race that's a murder race, basically. 
Um, he, he finds himself then, but he obviously gets the usual gas in treatment, uh, which they do when they transport you in this show. And uh, he wakes up dumped on the street with a debit card jack wedged in his mouth, a gold debit card um, with 39 million US dollars on it, roughly. And um, ironically enough, Jack, the pin number for the card, do you remember? Uh, 2406, something like that. It's, it's his number, 456. Is it? So, right. yeah. I'm getting mixed up with the first debit card. Remember at the yeah. beginning when he's basically stealing money off of his mother, who now yeah. is dead. Um, and his, his daughter's on the way to LA. So he's got all this money, but let's be he's got nothing. Again, just that's uh, it. the dichotomy there, man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's got all this money. Every time he uses it, he's going to be remembered because he's going to put that pin, that pin in four, five, six. He discovers his mum dead on the floor, and his daughter's already in on her way to Los Angeles. Like you've said, he's he's rich, but has absolutely nothing to show for it other than a huge amount of guilt for all the other players' deaths. Um, he's feeling, why am I the one that survived? Why am I here? And here's another trope you were looking out for, Jack. He emotionally shuts down. He starts drinking a little bit, doesn't spend his money, and we get a flash forward to a year where he's pretty haggard looking, he's got a big beard, and um, he's not really doing much with his life, is he? No, he's not. He appears to have just been uh, brooding for a year, just sitting in a dark room. I always remember this is one for the British listeners, you see that on EastEnders, where if somebody was going through a tough time, they would shut the curtains and sit and drink vodka straight out of the bottle. Uh, Phil Mitchell-esque, I think, is what I'm getting at there. And this is the feeling that, this is what you think has basically been happening for a year, is this guy sat by himself and not spoke to anybody, because he doesn't have anybody to speak to. No, he so doesn't. He just, just gets on the booze, doesn't wash. I don't know what... What do you think makes him go to the bank? Has he been called into the bank? Yeah, I think he's been called in and he's finally agreed to go in because like, if you if you have all that money sitting in the bank account, just a standard savings account, you're going to get harassed by the bank constantly to come in and do something about it. Um, and that's where he goes. He, he, hears the, he hears the banker telling him about investing his money, don't leave it in an account. All he's interested in, Jack, is getting some money out so he can go for a drink, which... He does, and he doesn't go to a big posh bar, a nice restaurant. He buys a bottle of beer, mate, and goes to the beach, and he just sits. And um, it's just it's looking like a real tragic life for him. But it really is. And then I think it's a, a little old lady comes up selling flowers, gives him a card to see his ganbu. Now, remember, we, we all know who um, Il Nam is, player 001, but at the time, we didn't. And this is the first sort of like kickback to it that uh, the Marbles episode where you're thinking, right, wait a minute, there's something, something not quite right here because we didn't see him get shot. Um, trope, trope. We, we, we fell for it, we fell for it. We didn't see him get shot. It, it cut away and I think, unless you're very, very astute, I'm sure some people thought that guy might still be alive, but I was still in the dark the first time I watched this. So you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen here? And he ends up, yeah, the old man, Ilnam, is still alive. Only just. He's pretty ill, um, but he is still alive. And um, he is basically wanting to play one last game uh, with Jihan. And uh, 
he we have a talk about the, the Squid Game, why he did it, what it meant to him. Um, he, it was just purely done for entertainment. They wanted people to appear less than human, going through death matches, doing everything they can to win money. He talks to Jerry about why he took part in it himself. He said he wanted to experience the thrill of it. Uh, he wanted to have that and have those memories before he died of this brain tumour. And he let Jihan live, Jack, in the marbles round. Uh, he spared his life because he enjoyed playing with him. So maybe there was something to that relationship more than this guy just being the ultimate con man and the ultimate bad guy. Maybe there was some sort of genuine feeling for Jihan, which isn't that hard to understand, mate, because Jihan <coughs> was very, very good to this, but this old man in this game. He really was, yeah, he took him under his wing, he was the only person that would play with him, he was the only person that would take him on his teams for certain things, so, yeah, you can see how you could build up a relationship. Um, Il-Nam, comparing, basically, he compares being poor and degenerate to being mega rich here, like, again, just that, that, that capitalist idea that, oh, I'm so rich that life's boring, <laughs> so I may as well just make up this wacky game and he's constantly playing games he's obviously a big gambler in his life, we don't quite know how he's made his money I don't think Um, that's something that we may find out in season 2 perhaps, a little bit of backstory about how he made his money and how long he's been running the Squid Games for before he decided to take part because we do get the feeling that this was his last death row that he wanted to live and he wanted to take part rather than just watch. So a little bit of background about him would be good. But yeah, he wants to play this one last game and it, again, it involves life or death, basically. It does, Black yeah. or white, yeah. It's just a homeless man on a snowy street and basically Elnam says nobody's going to help him before midnight. Jihan kind of disagrees, you know, somebody will help him. There are good people in the world. They put a bet on basically saying, look, um, if somebody helps him before 12, Jihan wins, and if nobody helps him, Elon Nam wins, basically. So, again, what what did you think of this? Sort of, this interaction between the the 4, 5, 6 and 0, 0, 1, the the, the polar opposites of the, the story. I thought it was it was it was really interesting to see the to see Ilnam in his rightful sort of place and the right and where he sits and who he actually is compared to the guy you got to know in the show, very, very frail, wet himself <laughs> at one point, needed all sorts of help and stuff like that. Um but the fact that even after the squid game there's still tasks. This guy just likes wagers, he likes testing people. I had questions in my head, Jack, about this homeless guy. Was this homeless guy in trouble and struggling because something they'd done to him to plan for him to walk past at that time? Or did he literally just look out the window and make up the wager on the spot? Is, could the wager literally mean anything that he was going to do just to get you in there and have a chat with him? This just all fell into place. Do you know, I never, I never thought about that at all, man. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah, because it, it did sort of, it did because it fell into place from there. There's a, there's a homeless guy, he doesn't look great. Let's have this wager. Uh, you just don't. You don't find out. I did like the idea that after a year of solitude, doing nothing, growing a big beard, having a really, really shit time of it, Jihan still sees the best of things and still goes for what he thinks is the best thing and the best outcome. Yeah, we're not editing that out. Whatever that was, it just shouted. <laughs> that, that, that was my Apple Watch for some reason. <laughs> yeah, just shouting at you now. Jihan wins basically because the police eventually turn up at eleven fifty nine 
trope, trope, trope. Um, but I wasn't 100% sure here. Does Elam die before he knows he loses this game? Or is the last thing that happens to him is he loses and then dies? I don't think he realises that he's lost. Because if I remember right, Jihan's looking. they're looking out the window. The police come. Jihan turns around to him and he's dead, doesn't he? Right, OK. So I, I don't think he actually got to see himself lose or Jihan win sort of thing. So, so he dies as a winner and... Like he's won uh, his life basically. He's lived his whole life the way he wanted, ran these squid games, and then even won in his mind the last bet, the last game that he's ever played. He wins. He does. Rich. Like I, I think I, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it as well, but he he wins in his mind. He died a winner. <laughs> did he though? Like because there's also the quickness. I I think that like, you could totally see it that way, and I, I did as well. However, I think there's also an outstanding question was, did he do this? Did he manufacture this meeting? Did he get them back together to snap Jihan out of this slump that he's in? Because this meeting, Jihan having this wager, winning it and seeing some goodness in the world with the policeman coming helping the homeless guy, is what snaps Jihan out of his slump and gets him back going again. And the question, was that Il Nam's mission all along again? Like, to... to is he looking after his winner in this regard? Is he showing that he did care about him and he wants him to do something with his life? He wants him to go and find his daughter. He wants him to enjoy the money that he's worked hard for sort of thing. Yeah, now, the, again, a really interesting question there because he obviously does try and look after his his former winners with the, the, the front man obviously being a, a former winner and he gets the... Um, the pleasure, let's say, of, of basically running the, the squid game. He's sort of safe, he's the big boss, lots of soldiers under him. So he's looking after front man that way and he's maybe thinking that about Jihan as well. But what what he probably doesn't bank on is Jihan being so morally good and so the polar opposite of him that he's going to now try and take down the squid game or the, the people that run the squid game he probably thinks I've took care of him he my minions will then get him involved as a, a new front man or pay him some money to get involved with that side of the game I don't think he banked on him dying a red going mad and like sort of we'll get to that you want to speak about that now I've, I've got a question for you and then I've got something that the director's come out and said right. um, I'm going to swear here folks so turn the sound down or throw the children away um, Jack in a, in a series full of what the fuck moments was there a bigger what the fuck moment in Squid Games than when that camera panned around and you saw that red hair no it was really really <laughs> bizarre it really was and obviously culturally red has different meanings in different cultures so obviously in Britain and the western world a lot of the time it means danger um, danger basically red stop don't go there um, something bad's happening, but it might be culturally different um, in Eastern countries. Yeah, I know in China it's, it's a lucky. Um, I know China's not Korea, but you know what I mean? It's sort of that Eastern side of the world. I don't want to just lump them all together, but I think you've got um, a little bit about actually from the director what it means. Yeah, and so you should the, know. The, yeah. he is, if anybody knows it's him, yeah, Wang Dong Yuk. Um, he revealed there was a deeper meaning to the colour red. Um, he, which we shouldn't be surprised by, Jack, because nothing in this show happens for no reason. Um, he spoke to a <clears> website <throat> called Zapsy, and um, he said, "I thought about this intuitively, 
thinking about Jihun should change his hair in the hair salon. I imagined him being him and thought to himself, what is the colour you would never ever choose to dye your hair? And that's where I came to the conclusion that Jihun would never ever dye his hair red. It would be the craziest thing for him to do. So I just chose that colour because I thought it really showed his inner anger and something he wouldn't normally do. Right, so it is about inner anger and rage then. So it does have the similar connotations to um, to here. Um, yeah, rage is another one, rage and danger. Fair enough. So, but this doesn't just, the, the haircut doesn't just sort of change his look, it changes his, his outlook. Basically, he's been kicked out of the slump, the red hair sort of, um, gives him a, a, I'm going to use a Scottish phrase here, a kick up the arse to just move on, get on with things, because he did promise, he did promise S.A. Book that he would look at after a little brother, and as far as we know, he's not visited in that year. Oh, he hasn't. He's so depressed, so... Yeah, he's left this poor wee bastard in a children's home for a year, which yeah. isn't nice. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not good that he's done that. So, yeah, it's good that this finally kicks him, gives him the kick up the arse, as you say, to go and fix that. Um, it also gets he gets himself well dressed, he gets himself well presentable, and he does what he should be doing, which is going to the airport and getting to America to see his daughter because it's been a year since he's seen her as well. You know that this is quite an interesting one because this runs throughout the the show as well as the choice between the Squid Game and family. All like when it, even when it comes to the front man, you know he's he's went missing in inverted commas. He's chosen the Squid Game, and even. Uh, the morally golden Ji-hun has decided to turn his back on his daughter to fight the Squid Game because he thinks that, again, probably morally, it's much more important to save future contestants rather than, let's be honest, probably destroy a little girl's life by just turning back up in her life. The wee girl's not seen him in a year. She's moved to LA, probably living quite happily with stepdaddy. He's taking care of them. And then degenerate daddy turns up. That's I think he's made the right choice here to her, just to maybe leave the daughter alone and just let her go on without all his baggage getting emptied onto what what birthday was it? Our eleventh or ninth? Anyway, a, a young ch- a young child. Anyway, so I think he's made the right choice here by not getting on the plane. I agree with his oh, choice. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, mate, because like, I I get what you're saying, but I also think that. He's, re, he's re-energised here, he's got the new hair, he's doing. He's starting to do the right thing. He's potentially not a, He's not the degenerate he once was, he's not living the slumpy once he's what he was once in. He could potentially create a really good life for his daughter if he goes over to America. He could be a good father, he can provide for her for the first time, he can be relied upon for the first time. And as a father myself, I would find it very difficult to not get on that plane especially if I find myself in a position where after disappointing my daughter for so long, I could start to be a good guy for her. Um, so I, I did think it was a bit of a, I don't want to say a dick move, because I don't think anybody does a dicky, but I was a bit, I was, I'd was. i say I was disappointed that he got off that plane. Yeah, see, I don't have children, so, and that's probably what it comes down to. It's just we are basically the same person, the same age, we come from the same place, but you've got a, you've got a, a daughter and I don't have any children, so maybe that's why I think you should just leave her alone, man, because surely he's got, <laughs> again, surely he's got massive PTSD, he must be waking up screaming, he must be, I don't know, I don't think this, the red hair uh, makes him suddenly 
a stand-up guy. You know, we know that he's morally good, which has been obvious throughout. I just feel like he's he's killed many people. He's had to play these games. That would fuck you up for life, man. I just don't know if he would be a healthy, um, healthy part of his daughter's life. But again, um, we've got different ideas about that. Yeah, and I'd say something that's maybe a little bit controversial in terms of how fucked up he might be, in terms of how much PTSD he might have, how much guilt. I'm not sure there's enough PTSD, guilt or anything that wouldn't be kind of over-egged by all that money in the bank. (laughs) So I I, I think all that money could get me over most things, Jack. And let's let's then kind of get to the point of this. He, He doesn't just choose on a whim to not go see her. There is something that happens that stops him getting on the plane. He spots that, one of the other bastards of this show, the recruiter, um, who is playing the game in the station or at the airport with some other poor person. And I think that he's one of the most swarmy people, swarmy people in the show. He's just got that look about him. He's the one that gets, gets people on this road and he sucks people into this game. He's the first sort of He's the entry drug, isn't he? To, yeah, he's, to this he's, the, he's the middle drug. He's the middle management capitalist. The guy that walks about in a decent enough suit, you know, quite nice shoes. But hear me, you're let's be honest, you can when I say only afford, you can only really get a, a BMW or something, you know, like you know Billy Big Boss, you're totally middle management, you know, look you you answer to a lot of people. Yeah, he's that sort of smarmy guy, yeah, and he's trying to um, get somebody to play the game. Jihan notices what's happening again. I don't think this is by um, mistake because when he phones the number um, that has been given to the um, recruiter's choice as a new player, it's, uh, the guy says don't get any of some ideas, basically, so he knows who he's speaking to, I think. But I don't think that's done by accident. Or am I overthinking it? Because it is just that that train station where a lot of degenerates seem to hang about. <laughs> it could be, yeah. I mean, I think the idea that they, the, when he said, don't get any absurd, any absurd ideas, kind of suggests I know who it is, that it is Jihun on the phone. Um, Jihun's basically just replies, I can't forgive you. Yeah. And um, that's when he decides to not board the plane. He turns around and you don't know what he's walking towards, but what he's walking towards, Jack, is season two. And I suppose it goes back to a way with one of the last things that the the he was that was said to him when by when, when he was leaving the game with his money was think of this as a dream and think of this as a dream that wasn't really that bad is what he was told and I think even after the year even after the red tear and the sort of turnaround he's not ready to consider this was a dream he's certainly not ready to consider this wasn't quite too bad he's ready for revenge at this point and. He's suddenly seen the recruiter, he's seen what is in his head, a way back into this, and a way to get revenge for the other 456 people that died. Yeah, and again, right at the end there, the the words of Sangmu about your mother doesn't call, nobody's calling for you, that it's mirror image by daddy now and his daughter. Daddy's not coming, daddy's not calling you. Um, he's, he's turned his back. So again, there's a sort of yin and yang um, there as well so that's the end of it there's definitely going to be a season 2 that I get announced uh, a couple of days ago Colin because it's been quite a while do you want to just very quickly maybe just sort of um, big up the show and go through some of the easter eggs and, and so on and so forth that have ran throughout the, 
the whole series because people might not have watched it for a while. And thank you very much if you've subscribed to this podcast and you've got it in your in your podcast app of choice and are listening to it because we know we've been away for a while. So if you're here, um, we're going to, we'll do that then. We'll do that then. And we'll, I think we'll start with player one, basically, zero zero one. Everything about him from the start is foreshadowing, is hinting at who he is, his number, the way that he plays red, light, green, light, his translated name is number one man. He doesn't get gassed when he goes into the cars. He knows how to play tug of war. Looking back oh, on the series as a whole, are you a little bit... Do you ever get annoyed at yourself that you didn't pick up these things? Do you know what I mean? Or is it just so well no. written that... There's been, there's been plenty of shows where you watch things back or a reveal comes and you kind of... You, you you trace back the breadcrumbs that they've left you, and you think you do think you're stupid. I think with this show, I don't think it, I don't think it was ever really telegraphed to the fair to the viewer. I don't think many people, hand in heart, telling the truth, could say they saw that that twist coming. There's a few people I've seen online suggesting they did. I don't really believe them. Um, so no, this isn't an instance of me feeling annoyed. That I didn't see it. I'm just it's probably the opposite, Jack. I'm glad to have watched something yeah. that actually took me on a journey that wasn't so transparent, that wasn't so obvious, and it did. The twist, the reveal, everything actually was a twist, and actually was a reveal, and it got me, because there's not a lot of good television that's actually capable of that now, and this did it. Well, even like the, the foreshadowing of the death, we covered most of them, but there, there was one or two that, again, that I didn't actually notice until like the th- sort of reading about them, I'll be honest, because I've watched it through twice, um, I probably will watch it again before season two, but there was obviously the um, the pickpocket. She robbed somebody with a knife. She got stabbed by a knife. There was the baddie jumping off the bridge. Uh, there was uh, poor Ali stealing the money and then getting money stolen off of him. Well, not money, marbles. The one that I missed but was um, Sangwoo in the bathtub. So he's lying soaking wet in the bathtub and ends up dead soaking wet in the squid game. Yeah, it's it's very very clever. It's it's clever without being stupid, without being comic book, without being silly, and that's what I like about it. It's 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 a very clever show where, like we said, everything happens for a reason. And after it's all done, you can trace this stuff back, and it all starts to stand out, and you start to see it, and it becomes a little bit obvious. But when you're watching it, it, it definitely doesn't. Yeah, supposedly the square circles and triangles were based on ant colonies. The sort of three types of ant. Basically. I did not know that. Uh, neither did I. But again, I don't know if that's somebody looking a little bit too much into it because surely it would just be boss, major, soldier, worker. Like, but that's yeah. very anti, very anti. Now, obviously, we've got the the really cool stairs, which is based in the MC Escher sort of thing. And again, this is something that I didn't really think about until reading about it. Basically, in that original picture, the kind of suggests that there's no gravity, which means there's no rules, which again sort of points to the difference between the outside world and the sort of, again, black and white of in the Squid Game where there are meant to be rules, but they're quite easily broken when people want to um, to serve their own will. So again, that sort of no gravity stuff, that rule-breaking stuff, I didn't really think about that until I read about it um, just a couple of days ago, actually. 
Stroke green and pink are the exact opposite on the colour wheel. I didn't know that until reading this, and I actually googled the colour wheel to check it, and it is completely polar opposites, which is which is quite clever. Because I was wondering um, why pink. Because I was I'm kind of thinking again the childhood thing that pink is a a, a childhood colour and it kind of matched up nice with the ribbons, but um, he based the green on school uniforms, and he the he had thought about fully blown school uniforms for. Uh, the 456 players but decided against it and went for green and white so that the, the red blood really popped basically ah, okay. uh, on the white um, and then went for pink because it was the again just highlighting that they're in the to- again they're on the same circle but they're on totally different ends and I suppose if you swapped them over again we spoke about this the, there's not much difference between the, the players and the workers we don't think Really? No, it's 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 two different people playing a different game, but they're no, nobody's really in control of their own self in doing that. I don't think. Yeah. Do you know what it was originally called before Squid Game? Uh, no, tell me. It was called Round Six. Oh, okay. Really boring. Um, that was in a Rolling yes. Stone article, um, that Netflix had green lit, um, a new TV show called Round Six, um, but that changed to Squid Game. The, see the, the red light, green light game? They actually had 456 actors play that. Um, there was no sort of, ah. there was no CGI or anything like that. So they got the exact number of actors in that they needed. So again, just the budget that they've got. Yeah. Two quick goofs um, before we get on to a brilliant um, bit of correspondence from Kat on email. The, you know, the window guy when they're going across the bridge and he... The man that knows the glass? The man that knows the glass, basically. Um, on his um, like iPad thing, on his file, basically, it says that he'd worked uh, in the window factory since uh, 1897, I think it was. Um, just a typo. 18? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. It was a typo, right. yeah. I see in my notes that I put 1987, but it's not, it's 1897. Okay. And this is one that, you know how we say that everything means something? Now, Jihun's birthday, he used as a pin code uh, at the very start of the show, and I think it was 2406, which would be the 24th of June. But in his file, in the the sort of folders that the cop is looking at, his birthday actually says that he was born on Halloween. Hmm. Oh, I didn't notice that one at all. So, I didn't notice it. Trust me, I didn't notice it. Um, I had to get told about it off of... I think it was Screen Rant or something like that told me about that one, but that was a, a little bit of a goof there. How much time did people have to really look at every, almost every frame, frame basically? Uh, it's, well, it's, it's a full-time job for some people now, isn't it? These full-time TV critics, full-time journalists, they're, they're, they're doing that, but it's it's something that I think these, these TV show creators now are doing purposely. They're putting stuff there that's maybe not entitled to the story. It's maybe not key, but it gets people talking. It's an Easter egg that people will find. It'll get people talking about it and it'll keep the debate going. And like those two little things are probably going to have no relevance whatsoever to anything that goes on in the rest of the story, Jack. But here we are sitting talking about them. So yeah. that's why they do it. I will call that a day, right, for rounding it up. And again, I apologise for it taking so long and 
we thank you if you're still listening. One person that we hope is still listening is Kat, um, because she shared a little bit of correspondence in Colin. Now, remember we were speaking about um, the gun and why it would have a blank in it and so on and so yes. forth, and we sort of guessed at some of the reasons. Um, Kat is actually Korean, and she knows the answer, Colin. So um, do you want to read this um, from Kat yeah. on email? Yeah, I can do this, I think this is Kat that wrote in previously about the, yeah. the ramen. The, I know which you're I, which I have tried, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know one of our listeners, Pamela, tried it as well. Um, it, people have seemed to be up for it. Um, but Kat writes, hey Jack and Colin, it's your obnoxious Korean fan here again, not at all. Um, I was curious about the whole police gun thing in the Frontman episode as well, so I asked my mum. She didn't know, but my stepdad did. So first of, first of all, gun laws in Korea are strict as hell. Despite every man over 30 knowing how to use a gun because of their mandatory military service, pretty much no one owns one. If you want one for hunting or for target practice, you've got to register and store the gun at your local police station. Uh, also, civilians can only own shotguns or long guns for hunting only. Uh, gun permits are renewed often and they consist of thorough background checks along with physical and psychiatric assessments. Um, since most criminals in Korea are not going to have a gun, the police don't really need to bust them out very often. <coughs> According to my stepdad, they usually use a taser and most cops don't even carry a gun. The reason for the empty chamber is because of an accident once a long time ago when an officer dropped a loaded gun and it fired. The blank is, like you said, a warning shot, and then you have the live rounds that would click into the chamber afterwards, which I assume still aren't discharged very often. Um, at least in Seoul. I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but military is everywhere. It's only like 17 minutes by fighter jet from Seoul to North Korea. Um, this is what my dad told me. He was in the US Army in Korea in the late 70s, so there's still plenty of armed people around if shit ever goes down. <laughs> Um, I won't apologise for being verbose this time, but I will apologise for an insufferable know-it-all. I love the show, and I'll be very sad when it has to end. Cheers. Uh, please don't apologise, Kat. We love this sort of communication. We love these sort of emails. We hope to hear more from you and from other listeners going forward, Jack. Do you know it's been a while, Jack. Do you remember the email address? Uh, player456pod at gmail.com and we're at player456pod on Twitter. Um, we're not very well active done. on Twitter, uh, but we'll be back. We'll promise you we'll be back within a month with our thoughts on season two, any breaking news and anything that we would like to see, and maybe more what we wouldn't like to see um, come 2023 or whenever the show is meant to be with you. Just on that quickly, Jack. Do you know about the second announcement that came out today? Oh, no, this is right, go. Right, so as well as season two, they're also doing a real-life reality show based on the Squid Game, with people doing Squid Game-type trials, that's going to be a TV show as well. Right, okay, the Mr Beast has already basically done that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, he has done it quickly, probably better, but yeah, the Netflix and the creators are creating a real-life version for people to do as well so there's plenty of Squid Game content and plenty for us to unpack in the next one for so it's going to turn into Ninja Warrior or what was that other daft game show with like big red balls would bash you off a stand total wipeout yes it, it Let's be honest, it's going to end up something like that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to be a fight to the death. No, I wouldn't imagine um, so. I wouldn't imagine so. But 
No, I never knew that Colin, so that's quite interesting to um, wrap this episode up. So, yeah, so I think we'll call it a day. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Again, apologies that it took us so long. Life got in the way. Um, we appreciate you if you've hung around, if you've been waiting for this one, if it's popped up on your feed. We really, really appreciate you listening to it. Uh, get in touch, Twitter, email, let us know what you thought of the show, let us know what you thought of the ending, and we promise we'll be back a hell of a lot sooner with that kind of look into our hopes and dreams for season two. Right, guys, thanks for listening. We will speak to you sooner than we did last time.